0: I appreciate that introduction, John. He did uh, lie about a little bit of that. I did play a little bit of college baseball. I did not get drafted. I did give uh, play baseball for about three years in college and gave that up for the ministry as God was calling me. Uh, into the ministry at 18 years old. So not all of that was a lie, but some of that was. Hey, I'm thankful uh, to be here at the Mount uh, this weekend. I want to say thank you to John and to uh, Pastor Jason and to Katie for inviting me here and to all of you for welcoming me in here uh, this weekend. Hey, before we start, I want to take just a quick moment uh, to remember Uh, the men and women here on Memorial Day weekend uh, who have fallen in the line of duty uh, for our freedom. I think it's appropriate, uh, before we dive into the word and the message this morning, uh, to remember uh, the men and women who have fallen uh, for our freedom. Uh, May we never forget, uh, but also may we never take for granted the freedoms that we as Americans have here in our country of the United States It is because of the countless men and women who have sacrificed their lives for us to have the freedoms that we have today. And I just wanna take a minute this morning that if you have had a family member, whether that is a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a son or a daughter, or an aunt, or an uncle, or whatever family member that may be, who has lost their life in the line of duty, sacrificing their life for our freedom today. Would you just stand for a moment to, as we remember this morning, their life has been sacrificed. Would you just stand for a moment as we remember that time today? If you've had a family member that has lost their life, Maybe may be seated. I also just wanna take just a quick minute as well, just to say thank you to those who have served and are currently serving in active duty. I know that we have a, a strong military presence and military family presence here at the Mount and a part of our Mount family. So thank you so much to those who are serving and have currently uh, served um, in active duty. I just wanna say thank you from me and my wife and our family. Thank you so much. We're gonna give a round of applause. For that. I just thought that was appropriate this morning on Memorial Day weekend. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, I just, we have a couple of pictures as I introduce myself. Uh, my name is Matt. We're from Anderson, South Carolina. I just want to just throw up the picture of me and my wife. This is my wife, Brittany. She's down here on the front. Uh, we've, uh, we've been married since April the 6th, 2018. We just uh, celebrated four years um, of marriage, and we have two. Young sons, their names are Hayes and Hampton. Uh, We got, uh, this is our our two year old in the back, his name's Hayes, and then our four, uh, four and a half month old Hampton, we got to sneak away uh, for the weekend. Uh, Both of our our moms got to come in and hang out with our our boys, so we're thankful for them, and uh, we got into D.C. yesterday to hang out and get a full night's sleep, praise the Lord, right? Come on. (laughs) I know all you parents are, yeah, yeah, come on, we can give it up for that, we can give it up for that. We got a full night's sleep last night, so uh, we're well rested, and we are thankful and expecting the Lord to move this morning. Hey, just to give you a heads up real quick, I was uh, in here this morning worshiping with the praise band uh, before we started, and I grew up Southern Baptist, but as a preacher, I got a lot of Pentecostal flair in me, all right? All right. So if I say something good this morning, and I'm not saying I will, but I, I think I might. But if I got a lot of Pentecostal flares. So if I say something good, I want you to talk back to me, okay? Say amen, say come on, say preach it, whatever you got to say, okay? So if I say something good, say amen, come on, all right? Hey, let's pray this morning. Let's dive into the word. King Jesus, we come before you now and we just say thank you. Thank you for who you are in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing inside of this great church at the Mount. We thank you that even, even though in 1 Timothy 1.15, as Paul wrote, that he was the chief of sinners, and that, design, that describes us, that we, at our worst of sinners, God, you sent your best in your son, Jesus. God, we're thankful for that. We're grateful for that. God, there's nothing that we have done to deserve your son Jesus, but you sent him anyways in our place. So God, this morning as we open up your word in Mark chapter four, God, I pray that you would reveal something new to us. As we see the disciples here, as they become faithless, that they were still standing on your promises. And I pray this morning as we leave here that we would see your presence, that we would see your promise in our lives, that even in our mess, even in our brokenness, even in our messed up and jacked up lives that we live every single day, that we are still standing on your promises, that your promise never fails us. I pray this morning that you would hide me behind, behind your cross and your cross alone. Speak your words, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, ending in verse 41. It says, on that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Don't forget that. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still, The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and sea obey him. Let me ask you a question this morning as we start What is it like to be in the presence of greatness? What is it like to be in the presence of greatness? About six years ago, I was interning at the place that I work at full-time now at Clayton King Ministries, and we put on a, a winter conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee every year. And about six years ago, we had a guest speaker come in on a Sunday night, and he is a, a famous Christian rapper. He's also a, a famous speaker, a famous pastor, and he came in, his name is Trip Lee, and he came in to speak for us on a Sunday night, And for me at 19 years old, I just loved listening to his music. And at 19 years old, I was like, man, I'm going to do everything I can to get in front of Tripp. So that night after he spoke, I was sitting there on the front row. And after he spoke, I made a beeline to the back door where I knew Tripp was going to be. I was like, man, I'm an intern. I know that if that if Trip is gonna come out this back door, I can stand right here by this back door, and I know if Trip is coming out of this door that I can be right here to at least shake his hand, introduce myself, maybe get an autograph, maybe get a picture that I can post on Instagram so all my followers, which I don't have many, all my followers can at least like it and see that I got a picture with this great man of God. So I got to this back door, Trip is coming out. I know he's got to catch a flight because he's a busy man. Coming out this back door, and I see Trip coming right towards me. He's coming towards me. I'm like, okay, I got this plan in my head. I got my shoes on. I'm in these great-looking shoes. I got, I got the outfit picked out. I got the words in my head that I'm going to say. He's coming straight towards me. He gets literally right here in front of me. I put my hand out. I start to open my mouth, and no words even come out. Trip gets right in front of me and he leaves me in awe and wonder. He leaves me in awe and wonder. I'm like, man, this great man, this great pastor, this man that I look up to who's got this great music out, he leaves me in awe and wonder. I can't even get words out of my mouth. When I start to actually come to in this moment, I say, I can't, I start to stutter. Britt can actually tell you, because she was standing right there. I start to stutter, like I can't even say words. And he goes, hey, do you have something to say to me? (laughs) Like, he understands what's going on. And I think about it now, in my relationship with the Lord, how many times do we do that with Jesus? When it comes to the Relationship of human greatness versus infinite greatness. Does our time with Jesus leave us in awe and wonder? When we come to an experience with Jesus, when a circumstance that is happening around us and we see Jesus show up, does it leave us in awe and wonder? When an answered prayer happens, does it leave us in awe and wonder? Does it leave us speechless? When we're faithless and Jesus is faithful, does it leave us in awe and wonder of wanting more? Because we're standing on the promises of God. I look at that time when I was 19 years old of a man who was standing right there in front of me of a human being. Who cannot answer my prayers. And then a God who can't answer every prayer. And I say, man, does he leave me in awe and wonder? So what's it like? What's it like to be in the presence of greatness? What's it like to be in the presence of infinite greatness? In Mark chapter 4 this morning, that's what we're going to see. The disciples from the very beginning, are in the presence of greatness and they're still faithless. And Jesus shows up. He's with them from the very beginning and he tells them that. Jesus is with them from the very beginning and he points it out in the very first verse and they're still faithless, but Jesus is still faithful. He says in verse 35, on that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. I told you to remember that. He doesn't say, let us perish in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He says, no, let us cross over to the other side of the sea. I got two points for you this morning. The first one, remember his promise and his presence. He told them at the very beginning, the promise, let us cross over to the other side of the sea. He's telling them from the very beginning, Here is my promise to you. We will cross over. We will get over to the other side. I won't let you drown. I'm going to be with you always. Remember his promise and his presence. I love it so much right here in the very first verse, at the very beginning. He gave them the promise. We're going over to the other side, we're not going to go under but also what I love so much about Jesus is Jesus never promised the disciples an easy trip. He never promised them an easy trip, but he did promise them a guaranteed arrival to the other side. He never promised them that it was gonna be easy. He doesn't promise us an easy life. One thing that my pastor growing up He always said, and it always stuck with me, even to this day. He said, there's going to be three things that happen to each of us in this life. We're going to be born, we're going to die, and in the middle, we're going to struggle. I know you guys are looking at me this morning like, man, I came here on a great Sunday at the Mount. (laughs) Wow. Man, they brought this guy in to tell me all the good news this morning. Man, but there is good news about it. Remember his promise and his presence that you don't have to do this life alone, right? You don't have to do this life alone. Remember his promise and his presence. Man, why are you repeating that so much? Because it's good news for each and every one of us that if we have to do it on our own, we're never going to succeed. We're always gonna fail if we keep trying to do it on our own. In verse 35, he keeps on going and he keeps on saying, he gave the disciples the direction and their destination, right? He told him, he said, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. It's the direction for each and every one of us that Jesus has clearly given us this road map in life. He's given us the blueprints of the gospel. He's told us, he said, hey, God has told us from the very beginning of time that in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan entered on to the scene, that he tempted Adam and Eve with this fruit off of this tree. He said, hey, don't eat off of that fruit. You can eat off of any other fruit off of the tree, off of any other tree in this garden. But don't eat off of that fruit off of that tree. And what did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed God. So from that time, brokenness had entered into the world. And from that moment, God said, hey, I'm gonna lay out this beautiful blueprint of the gospel that my son, my one and only son, Jesus, is gonna have to come in, and he's gonna have to take over, and he's gonna have to go to the cross, and just have to die for all these broken and messed up and jacked up people like me. He's already given us the direction And he's already given us the destination. We have to just remember his promise and his presence. Because we know storms in our lives are a reality. Many of you right now, I'm, I'm looking at you all for the very first time, and you're looking at me for the first time. I don't know your story. But I know that many of you out here are facing a storm in your life right now. All of you are facing a storm, whatever that may be. Maybe it's a marital storm. Maybe it's a financial storm. We just heard John talking this morning about the storm that happened in Texas this past week. Happened in Buffalo. Storms all across this world it's a reality that happens in our lives and i'm not sure what your storm is is right now but i do know and i want you to know before you walk out of here this morning the one who is in the storm with you But I do want you to know the one who can conquer every storm with you. And it's through his power alone who can conquer that storm for you. If you remember his promise and his presence in your life. The disciples here, they're faithless. Even though Jesus had already told them the promise. It doesn't make sense to any of us. He doesn't promise them a smooth ride. He doesn't promise us a smooth ride in this life, even though we want that. That would be so nice, right? That would be nice. We had a rental car yesterday from the D.C. airport, and I hopped in And I drive like a 2014 truck back home, and it's kind of shaky sometimes. And we had like a 2021 Chevy Malibu yesterday from, from the airport, and we were riding in style coming from DC to Stafford yesterday. And it was a smooth ride. But that doesn't happen in our spiritual life. A lot of times that doesn't happen, a lot of times it's a struggle. Sometimes we don't want to get out of bed in the morning. A lot of times it, it, it takes a a while for us to get through the day. I mean, I, I told you we got a two-year-old and a four and a half-month-old. It takes a long time for us to get to seven thirty at night throughout the day, right? Come on, somebody, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about if you got little kids. Yeah, we can we can give a hand clap for that. Yeah. I mean, we work full-time jobs, and we come home, and I mean, we're just trying to make it to 7:30 at night. It's a struggle. Jesus doesn't promise a smooth ride every time a storm comes in your life, but He does promise His presence in the ride with us. And if you know anything about the the Sea of Galilee that the disciples are on right here in this boat, it's well known for the the sudden Violent storms. And what I don't get about the, the disciples is that a lot of them were very experienced fishermen. In Matthew 4:19, Jesus comes to two of the disciples, Peter and Andrew, and he takes them from their occupation of being a fisherman. They were on the boat, and he says, "Hey, come follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men." They were on the boat right there, so they they knew what it looked like to be on the water. So now, when the waves get a little choppy, when when the water gets a little violent and rough, they start to become faithless. When they look at the circumstance around them, they say, hey, is Jesus really going to show up? Is Jesus really going to be there when I need him? And I think for a lot of us, when our circumstance starts to show up, we start to question the authority of Jesus. We start to question, is Jesus really gonna be there in my time of need? The disciples had already seen Jesus' work. Literally right before this, in Mark chapter one, they had already seen Jesus heal a demon-possessed man. They'd already seen Jesus Cleanse a man with leprosy. In Mark chapter 2, they had already seen him heal a paralyzed man. Why are they faithless? I think for many of us, and myself included, we've seen the evidence of Jesus in our life. We've seen him answer prayers in our life. We've seen the evidence marked by Jesus, multiple multiple times in our life, countless times in our life, but yet we still remain faithless. We still remain faithless. We still yet to see that we are standing on the promises of God. We look back in our mind and we say, hey, I remember that time that God answered my prayer after my wife got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, I look back and I see that after this problem in my son's life, he answered that prayer. I look back and I say, oh man, Jesus, he answered that financial struggle in my life. Oh, after my, my husband or my wife got deployed, he still took care of me and my family and my children. I look back at all the evidence of Jesus in my life, and he still took care of us. Why? Because we are standing on the promises of God. Point number one, remember his promise and his presence. Point number two, remember his promises outweigh your problems. His promises outweigh your problems. Right here, what I love so much about Jesus is that he shows himself as fully man and fully God. That he was fully man because as the Bible tells us here in Mark chapter four, is that he was asleep on the boat. As the waves and the waters got choppy and violent and rough, he is asleep on the boat, taking a nap. And then also as he is fully God because he is about to calm a raging storm. It's wild to me that as the disciples are so angry and so upset with Jesus, and they're so full of emotion and overwhelmed with fear that Jesus is asleep, but then also about to calm a raging storm. Here in this moment, as the disciples start to get annoyed with their creator, as Jesus is not helping them at their time of need, as they thought, as they wanted him to help them, they look at him and they say, teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? Teacher, Jesus, don't you care that we are going to die? This is all that Jesus needed to hear. I wanna to read to you from Matthew 14, 22 through 27. This is another account When the disciples are on the boat, this is when Jesus is uh, getting ready to call Peter out on the water. And I just want to see a parallel here of when the disciples cried out here in Mark chapter 4 and then when the disciples cried out in Matthew 14. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves. Because the wind was against them, Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Right here in Mark chapter 4. Verse 38 says, he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke up, they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? Do you see the parallel here? They looked at him and they cried out in fear. And what happened? At both of those times that the disciples cried out, what did Jesus do? Immediately he woke up. Can I tell you, Mount family, at the cry, at your cry, Jesus Jesus is with you at your cry. At the cry of his disciples. Jesus was there. All you have to do this morning. All you have to do this morning is cry out to the name above every name. Cry out to the name of every name. I think a lot of times we look at the circumstance that is around us and say, hey, that circumstance, that diagnosis, that fear, that struggle is way too big for Jesus to handle. Can I tell you this morning, at your cry, Jesus is ready to answer. Jesus is ready to meet you at your point of need. Jesus this morning is ready to meet you at your point of need. You got to see our, our kids up there this morning i remember as a first time dad i had the bassinet right here beside beside my side of the bed and when our 2 year old was was born i remember 2 a.m. in the morning when he would cry it would instantly wake me up as an imperfect dad can you imagine our perfect heavenly father at your cry come on somebody as an imperfect dad at 2am. in the morning, at the cry of my newborn son, as our perfect heavenly Father, he's ready to meet you at your point of need this morning. Remember, his promises outweigh your problems. Psalm 46:10, it says, "Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted over all the earth. As we close this morning, I just want to leave you with a few things. I want to leave you with this one thing I wrote in my journal this week. It's don't let the problems of this world overrule the promises of God. Don't let the problems of this world overrule the promises of God. That you are standing on the promises of God. So can I ask you this morning, what storm are you facing right now in your life? What storm are you facing right now in your life? Can I tell you a story of a storm that our family faced this year. On January 4th of this year, I was sitting at my desk uh, mid-afternoon and my wife had went in for a regular OB appointment. And she gives me a call at mid-afternoon and she says, Hey, Matt, they are admitting me to the labor and delivery wing. And it was, she was 33 weeks at this time. So we had about seven weeks before our son Hampton uh, was supposed to be born. She had, they told her that her blood pressure was significantly high and they were going to just monitor her uh, for a little while. So I told her, I said, okay, I'll be at the hospital. Uh, We work about five minutes from the hospital. I said, hey, I'll be there um, in just a couple minutes. I get there, um, she's up in the labor and delivery wing, um, and they have her on all these monitors, and I look at her and I say, hey, what do you think's going on? She said, hey, I have no idea. And for me, uh, I'm just like a straight shooter. And I'm like, hey, Nurse, can you tell me what's going on? They had now moved her to a different room. And I look at the nurse and she says, your wife has what we call severe preeclampsia, which just means in our terms, severe high blood pressure. And the best thing that we can do for your wife right now is to deliver your son at 33 and a half weeks as fast as possible because if not your wife could start having seizures she could start having strokes uh, or um, at worst case she could die or the baby could die I looked at the nurse I said whatever you have to do to eliminate all three of those options let's get it done right now like whatever we have to do And at the hospital that we are at in Anderson, South Carolina, they weren't properly equipped uh, for, for what they needed to do. So they had to transport us to Greenville, which is about 30 minutes down the road. So at that moment, they were getting ready to put her in an ambulance. So I had to go home and get all of our luggage packed, get everything ready. So I had a little bit of time to think. And kind of make plans. Like, I, like you guys have already seen and heard, we have a two-year-old at home. And our family is about two and a half hours opposite directions. So in that moment, I start to process all of this information that was sudden. We thought we had seven weeks left in this pregnancy, which now I turn to just a matter of days. This is January the 4th. And can I just tell you something? I'll just be real with you guys. I've only met you guys maybe 30 minutes ago. Not once did it process in my mind to pray or talk to God. Not once did it process in my mind to go before the Lord and bring my wife before the Lord and my unborn uh, unborn son before the Lord. Only thing I could ask, do we have enough diapers? Have we installed the car seat? Do we have enough preemie clothes? what's the doctor bill gonna cost? How long is he gonna be in the NICU? Is he gonna be well taken care of? Is my wife gonna die? What is our insurance gonna cover this? I started asking all of these questions, why? Because my problem, our problem in that moment started to overrule the promises that God had already told me. I pulled into my driveway, and I started to rack my brain around, okay, well, I need to make sure my wife's got clothes and I got clothes. How long are we gonna get in, be in the hospital? How long are we gonna be here? I gotta make sure I wait, my, our son Hayes has childcare. I gotta call our parents and let them in on all of the information that's going on. I packed up all of our stuff, and I headed to Greenville Hospital. I called our, our workplace, and I let our bosses know. And on the way there still, didn't even cross my mind to pray, have conversation with the Lord. And this is no joke. I pull into the Greenville hospital, and there is a neon pink sign. And it should have just said, God's got you. It really should have just said, Matt, you are crazy. God's got you. Well, I, I promise you. It said, best NICU hospital in South Carolina, neon pink. It really should have just slapped me in the face. Like that was God's sign to me is that God was saying in that moment, Matt, Your problems have overruled my promise to you. Can I tell you this morning, Mount family, don't let the problems of this world overrule the promises of God. That was January the 4th. January the 7th. This was three pounds, 11 ounces, born at 33 and a half weeks. We got a couple more pictures. This was the next day, still three pounds, 11 ounces. I've got one one more picture and you can hold on the last one. This was him at midnight, the night that he was born. He spent 25 days in the NICU in Greenville, South Carolina just started making great strides. I mean, the promises of God that we were talking about this morning in Mark chapter four, I can't tell you enough that any storm that you are facing this morning, the presence and the promise of God is so much greater and God is ready to meet you at your point of need. Because one week ago, this last picture, whoo! Come on, somebody. And I don't, I don't show those pictures this morning to give us glory, but to give God all the honor and all the praise for everything that he has done throughout this storm that we have faced over the last five months. As we close this morning, I just wanna read these two verses from a hymn. I told you I was Southern Baptist in the blood. (laughs) where Russell Carter in 1886, he penned these verses. Where this title comes from this morning it says standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of god i shall prevail standing on the promises of god standing on the promises i cannot fall listening every moment to the spirit's call resting in my savior as my all in all standing on the promises of god would you pray with me this morning with all eyes closed and every heart bowed i just want to ask this morning if whatever storm you're going through, maybe the storm this morning is that you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and maybe right now would be the time that you would say, hey, I'm ready to drop the control of my life. Maybe I'm ready this morning for the very first time to say yes to him. And can I tell you again, Jesus is ready to meet you at your point of need. And all you have to do is Romans 10:9. It says, "If you would believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and confess that Jesus is Lord and ask, then you would be saved. And if that's you this morning, you' ready to turn and repent of your sin for the first time, I just ask that you would borrow these words. You're not talking to me, you're talking to Jesus this morning. And if that's you and you're ready to respond to Jesus and ask him into your heart, would you just borrow these words, and talk to Jesus and pray to him this morning. Just pray this prayer to him. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you are ready to meet me at my point of need this morning. Jesus, I repent of my sin. Would you save me right now? I'm all yours. I'm all yours. amen. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, hey, if that was you this morning, there's going to be some people around the room. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I just want to ask you to do one bold step. Would you just raise your hand right, right above your head so we can see it this morning? If that was you, you just prayed to receive Christ this morning, would you just raise your hand just high above your head so that we can see it this morning? Praise God. Hey, if there's a storm going on in your life and you need somebody to pray with you this morning or if you just pray to receive Christ, would you just find somebody around the room this morning? There's people that want to pray with you. Take that to them and let them pray over you this morning. Let's pray as the band leads us in one last song. Jesus, thank you so much again just for who you are. God, I pray today that you would just continue to meet us at every point of need like you've already done and like you will continue to do. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory like you deserve and like you are worthy of. We love you, King Jesus.